Chronicles. Let's open our Bibles to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Since we, you know, we, we would like to on Sunday evenings um, uh, explore what we talk about Sunday mornings, you know, from, from a different angle or maybe allow us to, to expand on, on everything. And for the last two Sunday mornings, we've been looking at the issue of gospel kindness. And, um, um, and so the passage where really it sticks out to me uh, is right here, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit itself fits within a certain context. No doubt this material will be familiar to you, and it's good to look at it. Again, a very practical section of a, of a deeply theological book. Martin Luther called Galatians his Katie, and his wife was named Katie, if, if you want to know why he called it his Katie. It's like me calling it my Amanda. It was a very precious book to him, and I would recommend his commentary to you. So with that, if you will stand with me out of reverence to God's Word, we want to start in verse 16 of Galatians 5. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, riperies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, as always, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears, our hands and our feet uh, and our mouths, that we will go in obedience to Christ, transformed uh, by the gospel as revealed in your word uh, that points us to a Savior. And may I decrease so that you can increase. In your son we pray. Amen. Be seated. Every time we look at a passage like this, uh, I feel compelled to share the same story, so I apologize if you've heard this before. But the year before my wife and I got married, I moved in with four other guys. And it was as bad as you're assuming it was, right? Um, I believe that if you, if you have a son who doesn't seem to want to be in a hurry to get married, what you need to do is have him move in with a bunch of dudes. He will want to get married fast. He will straighten up, right? In fact, I remember... Things got so out of hand with the dishes. I mean, the dishes would pile up to the point we'd run out of dishes. And then we would get paper towels, or not paper, paper towels. What's that for? We would get uh, 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 throwaway dishes, you know, plates. And, and What? Paper plates. Yeah, paper plates. Thank you. See, we, 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 we have to cut down our own trees in, the, in, in, in Owen County. So I, I had to think what that was. We eat off of leaves. Well, anyways, um, so, so I remember one time leaving a note. It's, it, it was a long note. I was just so frustrated. I, I, I couldn't find anything to, to fix my breakfast or anything in. So I wrote this note saying, do you want to know why all of you losers are alone and single? Look at this sink, right? That's almost verbatim. And uh, it was probably a little worse, actually. I was, I was just, just done with it, right? I was one of the few of those guys that, that actually had... Someone who claimed to like me. And, um, well, the, the thing that was probably the worst of it all, b- beside the, the dishes, was the trash. And I've told you, again, I've told you this before. We, we had a trash can, and it would fill up. And the problem with living a bunch of guys is we always assume it's someone else's job. 
And if I take out the trash, I assume I don't have to do it for at least another six months. I mean, and you try to think, okay, if I do it now, when is my lease up? Can I make it until then, right? I mean, you know, and, and so it, it would fill up. And because we didn't use our dining room, dining room is about the, the, the size of this pulpit, we ate in the living room with the surround sound, right? And, and the, the dining room, the actual dining room was, we turned into a pool room. Right. And it was awesome, too. But we all ate in the living room where the TV was and video games. Right. So 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 the the actual kitchen table was in the kitchen. And when the trash can would fill up and I mean full, like like volcanic full. Right. Climb Mount Everest full. And then we would put it around the trash can. You had piles of boxes and trash and, 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 and paper plates all over the place. And then it would migrate its way to the table that we put in the corner of, of the kitchen, right? We would put it just, just, just right there. And then the top would be full. And then the bottom would be full. And then eventually someone would say, this is ridiculous. I'm going to take out the trash. And so they would go over to the trash can. They would lift up the, the, the bag and, and they would throw it away. They would come back, put a, put a new trash bag in there if they were feeling particularly spiritual or very guilty. And then, then they would put everything on the table and around the trash can in the trash can and walk away with a full trash can plus stuff still all around the trash can. Well, it's someone else's job now. So the problem would get worse and worse and worse. It got to the point. My wife and I were, were engaged uh, when I lived there. And she would say, honey, I love you more than anything in this world. I will not come over to that apartment with all those guys. I can't stand the smell. I can't stand the, the sight. And in fact, I remember she, she, she came into our living room and stuff. We, we were you know, watching a movie, sharing a meal, whatnot in there. And, and uh, she, she, she goes, I just, not how she talks. I just can't stand you all don't decorate around here. I just bothered her. In fact, I just said, we've decorated our room. Uh, there was five of us. Three of us uh, occupied the largest room, you know, to save on rent, right? So we got the cheap seats. And I had a poster of a band called Spoken, right? You remember Spoken by chance? Okay. Had a poster signed by a rock band, hard rock band called Spoken. That was my decoration, right? And, and we had a large window in this room that, that, that didn't have blinds or curtains, and about six months in living here, I realized I was changing every morning in front of that. And all of Louisville was right there, right? So we're like, we'll fix this. Did we get curtains? No. Did we get blinds? No. We grabbed the blanket no one claimed, and we threw it over it. That's good enough. It's a little darker during the day. Now we can take a little nap, right? She hated coming over, and I still don't understand why. I mean, when I got married, uh, I, I, uh, we, we had our apartment a month before. I didn't live there, um, but she, she moved in, which is... Not good advice for, for if, if you're getting married. Men, you move into that apartment first. I'd, I'd walk in there, you know, because I was starting to take stuff over and the days lean up the wedding. I'm like, what's that pretty smell, right? <laughs> I haven't smelled this smell. I've smelled a lot of smells the last year, but not, not pretty. Um, but anyways, that, that trash just, it just sticks out to me. In fact, the hardest we worked regarding the trash was when someone threw away a large screen TV we worked harder in getting that large screen TV. We rolled it into the apartment just to see if we can get it to work. And when we couldn't get it to work, we rolled it right back out there where we found it. All the while, that trash continued to pile up. Look, there is a simple solution to this, right? Throw out the trash. It is, it is as simple as could be, but for some reason, 
with all the help we had there, no one seemed to be willing to do the simple thing. The same is true for many of us when it comes to the Christian walk. The solution to it all would simply be take out the trash. But far too many of us, it is difficult for us to follow that simple command. Well, what we have here is that exhortation. In fact, I believe the thesis is given to us there in verse 16, isn't it? But I say this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify desires of the flesh. So what we have here then is an exhortation from Paul in what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. Verses 16 to 18, we see the command that the Spirit-filled life is warfare. It is warfare. Again, that thesis, walk by the Spirit. And how do I walk by the Spirit? What he says there, do not desire the, uh, uh, carry out the desires of the flesh. How do I not carry out the desires of the flesh? It's very evident in this passage. We are to make war. So Paul begins this simple exhortation. It is a simple one, right? Walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Now, those two words, flesh and spirit, are used at least 10 times in chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians alone. Now, this is an oversimplification, but like many of Paul's letters, you you, you begin with deep theology. Uh, Sometimes it's, it's a lot of theology. In Romans, it's about 11 full chapters. And then the latter part is more ethical. It's, it's more practical. Now, you can't understand the practical until you appreciate the, the theological. Uh, Galatians is like that. You get about four rather dense chapters about what the gospel is and what it is not to be confused with, followed by two concluding chapters that are very practical, very practical. Colossians is about half and half. Ephesians, it's what the first four or five chapters, I guess four chapters, and the last two you know, are, are pretty practical. This is typical of, of Paul. But in these uh, practical chapters, chapters five and six, flesh and spirit are found ten times. So clearly he has moved from the theological to the ethical, from the head, we could say, to the hands. It isn't enough to believe. We must live lives consistent with what it is we claim to believe. Therefore, do not carry out the desires of the flesh. A very clear and easy to understand exhortation. And you see what he says there in verse 17, that the desires of the flesh are at war with the spirits. And so he he puts it this way. The flesh is against the spirit. The spirit is against the flesh. These are opposed. They are hostile to each other and to keep you from doing the things you want to do, right? So so what he's saying is you can't have a foot in both doors. You, 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 You can't satisfy both. You can't have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the flesh. You must choose whether you will walk in the spirit or you will walk in the flesh. The two are against each other. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Why? Because the law shows us our flesh. You realize that every time you see a sign on the road, that's because someone uh, uh, didn't do the obvious thing that required a sign. For example, next time you go into a restaurant and there is a the, 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 the little sign that says caution wet floor, there's one of two reasons why it's there. One is because they just mopped it or something like that, or there's a leak or something like that. Or more likely, someone just fell. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's, there's that, that law there is there to remind you that it has been broken and can easily be broken again. It's like Dennis the Menace, right? He, he, if, there, if there's a button there, someone's going to push it, and his name is Dennis, and he's a menace, right? 
So you got to put a law there. It says, do not push this button. And of course, what happens to Mr. Wilson? He can put as big of a sign as he wants. Then is the menace is going to give in to, to the desires of his flesh. And so for Paul, he says that a spirit-filled life is one of warfare. We oftentimes buy into the lie that says, well, if I just give my life to Jesus, everything will be okay. You know, I, I can just go through the motions and it'll, it'll be all right. That, that, that is not, that is not the case. We must make war. And far too many of us quit fighting far too early. Not only that, he says that the spirit-filled life requires crucifixion. Notice what he says uh, starting uh, there in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then he provides us a list of 15 vices. Now in in, in the Greco-Roman world, a typical uh, letter like this utilize virtue and vice list all the time. And Paul does this. You can read it in Romans, you can read it in Galatians, you can read it all over the place. John does it in Revelation. There's, there's the virtue list, you want to look like this. There's a vice list, you don't want to look like this, right? And, and so Paul here, he mentions 15 vices. It is not an exhaustive list. In fact, you can look at all the, the vice lists in the New Testament and you can come up with a list. And then I would argue, you can still add to that list. Right? I mean, can you imagine how long the list would be if Paul included everything possible? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, here's some of the first 15 that probably came off the top of his head, or the 15 most concerning for him in the Galatian church. Now, we can break this list down into four categories. The first is sexual vice. You see it starts out there with immorality, um, uh, or, or the ESV says sexual immorality. The reason is the Greek word there is porneia. It's where we get the word pornography and, and pornographic and, and words like that. It, it, it describes uh, any sexual uh, vice, right? And it, it's, it's a very general term that it looks over everything. Uh, impurity, sensuality, just, just two other ways to say essentially the same thing. So he begins there with, with sexual vice, which we should note there in a society obsessed with uh, sexual sin, we act like that's a new idea. It's not. There's a reason why we tried to leave it behind. It didn't work the first 80 times. It's not going to work this last time. The second is false worship. Mentions idolatry or even sorcery. Um, the Greek word for sorcery is where we get the word pharmacy. What I'm not saying is don't go to the pharmacy or else you're a demon, right? I'm not, or a witch or something like that. No, it's, it, it's, it's that word where, where you use substances for, for, the, for, you know, for yourself or for others for, for your own means of, means of idolatry. So you have immorality and idolatry. And then we get thirdly interpersonal relationships, enmities, strife. Jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy. You can go ahead and mark those out of your Bible because we don't have to deal with those anymore, do we? Aren't you glad? Aren't you so glad? And in fact, one of the things I, I found out about COVID is how, like, we don't have to worry about these things at all now that COVID came. I mean, wasn't it nice for the last two years that we didn't act like this with each other? As Christians, as citizens, Americans, aren't you glad? Go ahead and take that out of your Bible. That's, uh, we, we won't need that here at East Frankfurt. No, of, of course this is a problem. It isn't a new problem. We have a tendency to choose hostility and strife and jealousy and bitterness. Outbursts of anger? I'm a referee. Yeah, that's a problem, right? You know, I, I, I've had to remind parents, you do realize when I go home and I take off my cleats, you want, you want to know what my wife could not care any less about? 
this game, right? <laughs> you know, you're getting all worked up. And I promise you, I do not care if your son or daughter wins or plays, frankly. <laughs> I don't care, right? Uh, I got a job. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. This outburst of wrath continues to be a problem. You know, by the way, that applies to online anger. I don't, I don't know if you realize this, but the Bible addresses your online behavior. Maybe you should put that in the margins. All of this applies to what I post online or what I like or dislike or whatever. Dissensions, factions, envy, all these are still problems. Fourthly, personal excess, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. That word carousing is a reference to a festival procession in honor of Dionysius and other gods similar to modern-day Mardi Gras. It's, it's over the top. Um, these would include uh, gross immoralities, excessiveness. And notice what he says there in verse 21. Those who habitually practice such things will not enter God's kingdom. By the way, notice the, the kingdom language uh, there. Uh, now, this is really where the rubber meets the road. You are going to fail. You will sin. Right? And Martin Luther called this... Uh, uh, simultaneously righteous and a sinner. He had a fancy Latin term, but you and I don't care. We don't know Latin. But simultaneously righteous and a sinner. That is the real pull to be a Christian, right? Uh, On the one end, we want to walk in the Spirit, but but we recognize we are weak in in the flesh. The issue here is, is have we surrendered to such sin? John addresses this in 1 John 3, and he says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now, I always like to stop there, right? In fact, I remember one time I, we, I was, we were studying this passage, and, and I stopped right there on purpose. It was clear uh, a deacon said something to me because he was in panic, right? He's like, a preacher, I sin, like, I know, right? You know, I'm glad everyone else knows now, right? We all sin. You read that, you stop right there, you panic. Anyone who abides in Christ does not sin. And that is true. That is true right there in the word of God. He goes on, verse verse, uh, four, I believe it is, or verse six. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But the Son of God has appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And then he goes on and says, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And there's that tension in John's writings, the same tension we see here in Paul's. To be a Christian is one who has crucified the flesh. We choose righteousness over sin. But recognizing that and recognizing our tendency towards our weakness and sin, we live a life of persistent and consistent repentance. The issue here is, have I surrendered to the flesh? Or have I surrendered to the Spirit? Because if you live a Spirit-filled life, you will never leave the cross. We will consistently and persistently be crying out in repentance. The answer to all of this is given to us in verse 24, and that is to crucify the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It is to kill the things that are destroying us. 
I mean, that's a pretty straightforward message, isn't it? What is it that is robbing us of the joy of God? What is it that is robbing us of righteousness? What is it that, that, that is robbing us? It is trash that needs to be thrown away. It is sin that needs to be crucified. Remember, our theology is that our sins, our shame, our guilt is laid upon him at the cross where he is crucified. It is no more, and it can be no more. At the same time, and, and, and as, we be, as we grow in Christ, we are regularly throwing our sins onto him to be set free so that they may be crucified. Those who follow Jesus crucify their flesh along with its desires and inclinations every single day. So chances are for some of us there is that one sin or maybe a series of sin that we just can't seem to break free from. Maybe the solution should be, as we read this passage, is first of all to make war and see to it that the war comes with hammer and nails. We war against sin by nailing it to the cross. You see, what separated my life prior to our wedding and my life after our wedding was the amount of trash in the place I lived in. I mean, whenever, whenever I walked into that apartment on our wedding night, I mean, I, I've already joked about the smells, right? I mean, every man has to get used to those smells. And good luck trying to predict what the smell is, right? You know, I always say, well, it smells pretty in here, right? <laughs> you know, um, but it isn't just that. The atmosphere is different. The, the, everything about it is different. Why? Because we left behind living with those dudes to living with someone far better, <laughs> far better and one of the most notable things is that it doesn't smell like trash. It doesn't look like trash in here. We've gotten rid of all of that. It's a far better way to live. And I didn't want to go back to any of that. Likewise, those who are not saved not only habitually practice but celebrate their sin, but to those who are redeemed, you don't want to go back to that. You don't want that in your life. Well, finally, this is going to blow your mind. The spirit-filled life involves the spirit. You know, I went to seminary to learn that. That is free. Isn't that just brilliant? It's amazing, isn't it? We talk about the spirit-filled life. We rarely talk about the Holy Spirit. I know Holy Spirit you're not supposed to talk about in Baptist church, but it's right there in the text, isn't it? Look what he says starting in... Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. It's right there, the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Notice it's the fruit, singular, not fruits, plural. So you can't say, well, I like that love thing. That'll sell. I like the joy thing. It's always good to be happy. Self-control, that's eh, not for me. That's not for me. So let me just mark that out of my Bible, right? That's, that's, that's not what it is. It's the fruit. The vice of the flesh is, here's a list of 15. We could add more to it. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, you could add to the fruit of the Spirit, couldn't you? Paul does other similar virtue lists. And there's some, some overlap here, like he does his vice list. But, but, but this is certainly a good place to start. Those who have the Spirit look like this. They look like this. And you see the list there. I trust you are familiar with it. Love. Um, some commentators suggest that love encompasses the other characteristics. In I think that's true. But I also think it's an oversimplification. Both, I, think, I think both are helpful there. That if you have love, you'll, you'll have the others because love produces joy, peace, patience, all, all that sort of stuff. After all, we see that in the cross. At the same time, you can take it as an individual virtue, right? Love. Love. 
And if we pause there, just consider how much better the world would be if we understood what gospel love was and we pursued gospel love and we showed gospel love to one another where the needs of others is put ahead of ours. That alone would, 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 uh, would help our marriages, not to mention our church. Joy. Joy has no relationship to our circumstances. It's why Paul can sing in prison just as well as he can sing in safety of a, of a local church. He sings with joy because our joy isn't found in our circumstances. Things are going to collapse and things are going to go bad. Things can be difficult and harsh, but no one should rob us of our joy. If our citizenship is in heaven, and this is a gift of the Spirit, then we should have joy. Wouldn't it be better if Christians actually practiced that one? Thirdly, peace. Like joy, peace has no relationship to circumstances. By the way, it's true for all these, isn't it? We love whether or not we are loved in return. Isn't that what we see in the cross? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. None of these are based on our circumstances. Wouldn't it be nice that the, an election cannot affect your peace? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice that some mandate or some decision from above will not affect our peace? Wouldn't it be nice that if change, whether in the local church or in the home or extended family or out and about, if those things did not rob us of our peace, wouldn't that be nice? If only we had the Spirit to help us in that regard. Patience. Maybe some of us should highlight patience, right? I remember, I believe it was our youngest, um, you know, whenever they're toddlers and, and can talk. It's a dangerous time to be alive. And, and we just, we just all the time, daddy, 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 can we just daddy, 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 daddy? And we, we would turn to her and says, okay, baby girl, but you're going to have to wait, okay? You're going to have to wait. We can do that. But you're going to have to wait. And, and kids repeat everything they hear. And the more they hear you say it, the more likely they are to repeat it. And so she started to come in, Daddy, 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 you want to draw with me? You want to do puzzle with me? I know I have to wait. Right? And her waiting was five seconds max, right? Okay, Daddy, 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 can, can we wait? Okay, okay, okay. Just, just, just let, me, let me put out all these fires first. But um, patience is something that does not come naturally to us, is it? Especially as Americans. We, we mentioned this this morning. Abraham's, the promise of Abraham, it took hundreds of years for that to be fulfilled. How many of you are willing to wait that long? Most of us aren't willing to wait five minutes. Five minutes. Patience. We assume that if God isn't doing it now, he'll never do it. Or it'll never happen. If God isn't using me now, God will never use me. If, if, if this opportunity doesn't come now, I guess it'll never come. Patience. Kindness. I wish we would talk about that more, don't you? Of course, it's gospel kindness. And, and I, I think the story of Mephibosheth is one of the greatest stories to illustrate that. David gets nothing in return. Nothing in return. He, the Mephibosheth is of the household of Saul, his rival. Thus, Mephibosheth technically has a claim on the throne. But David shows kindness, not to his benefit, but for the benefit of others. That's how we understand the cross, isn't it? God shows this gospel, godly kindness. Faithfulness pertains to loyalty and trustworthiness. Faithfulness despite circumstances, again. Gentleness. This is one that we, we often overlook, isn't it? 
Maybe your translation says meekness. It probably is a better translation. Both will work. They're, they're both fine. The problem with the word meekness is we oftentimes associate it with weakness. The older I get, the more I realize what a gift meekness is. It's not a gift I have. It's a gift my wife has. Let me tell you, it, it took me years of marriage to figure out it's one of the best qualities she has. I've shared this but before. I grew up in a family. We fought every day. I mean, we, we fought. In fact, you had permission to hit anyone in the arm if it was only in the arm, okay? Now, they could hit you back, and we're going to, but we won't cause any trouble so long as you keep it right there in the arm. The problem is we just never follow those rules, right? I mean, we wrestled and fought and bit and did, did everything. I've told you before how I lost teeth because I got hit in the face. My brother hit a chair. There goes some of my teeth. Thought I was going to die, um, you know, all that. I was just a youngin, but... Um, and I remember one time early in our marriage, I, what I wanted was for my wife to get angry because that's how I did it growing up. That's what I saw, right? We, we just got angry and we, 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 we fought it out. We worked it out. Everything was laid out there. I'll tell you everything I think about you, whether you like it or not. That's the way we rolled, right? Then we got over it. And then, 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 then I realized what a gift she is. She don't, homie, don't play that game with me. What a gift that is. Calms everyone down, keeps everyone at a, at a cool level. You know people like this. They may not say much, but when they do, everyone hears what they say. Like I, I, I've, I'm learning the hard way because I can still get pretty excited, you know, if you, if you push the wrong buttons. My mom used to say to my brother uh, that he knew what buttons the push of mine, and he knew the secret code too. I mean, he, I don't know how, how he hacked into that, but boy, he could really push those. And there are those who... They're not looking to push your buttons. They'll listen to everything you say. They'll speak honest and truthfully. But, but a, a quiet answer uh, uh, turns away wrath, the Proverbs tells us. There's some people really gifted with that. Man, I, I, part of me envies that, that I want to grow in that area. It's an area we could all grow in. Don't you think we could in this online world where all we do is scream at each other? Wouldn't it be nice if someone went on the, uh, on the 24 Hours News Channel, which you shouldn't be watching anyways at, at this point. What, what are you doing? Wouldn't it be nice if someone exercised meekness? They'll never be invited back, but it sure would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? I've told you before that one of the reasons I, I, I got into refereeing was, was to force myself into meekness. To force myself into learn that screaming back at someone screaming at you makes them scream louder, which makes you scream louder. Before you know it, you're both hoarse. And nothing's been resolved. But meekness, what a gift meekness is. Don't underestimate that. Don't skip over it. Gentleness, meekness. Boy, 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 we, we need this. And there's one that we can skip there at the very end. We Americans don't need this. Self-control. You don't need that, do you? You don't need that. Did anyone else overeat at lunch today? <laughs> I sure did. Why? Because we got the salad bar. It's a buffet all you can eat. You better believe I'm going to overeat. Paying for it, Right? What in American culture do, do, we, uh, do we actually practice self-control in? Anything? Anything? I learned years ago I have an addictive personality. That is, if I'm really into something, it consumes my life, right? And I actually see that in my son a lot. So it's Legos or it's dinosaurs or it's Marvel Comics or it's, 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 it's whatever. It just consumes our lives. And self-control is a discipline that we need to learn. Um, to say that this is enough, I don't need more, I've been blessed. So remember, the question isn't, do I have some of these? 
But do I see the fruit of all of these? I suspect for some of us, maybe, maybe joy is something that, that maybe, maybe is a strength for you. Or maybe it's a weakness for you. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you realize, oh, I need to grow in this area of meekness and gentleness. Or maybe you're looking at self-control and you're thinking, oh, that, that, that's a tough one for me. Or patience. Patience. But hopefully we can all say that the Spirit has led me to increase in all of these areas. And what must we do to grow and to continue to grow in these areas? We need to make war. And our weapons are nails and a hammer. I remember when I lived in the dorms at Boys, all guys, so you can probably guess where this is going, it, um, at Boyce, we, we, the girls are only allowed up twice a semester. I think it's twice a semester. Maybe just once a semester, twice a year. But it was called Open Dorms. And I oftentimes wasn't there because um, I had a girlfriend. So why did I want a bunch of girls to come up in the dorms? But we had to leave the doors open and all this sort of stuff. So twice a semester in the guys' dorms, you would hear a vacuum cleaner. Open Dorms was always on Monday. And you started to notice, I noticed after my first semester, the day where open dorms was in the evening, the attendance of men dropped dramatically. Because all these guys had to stay in their dorms to clean. And there's only one vacuum cleaner. So there had to be a sign-up sheet. You had it for an hour that day. And there would be people lining up. Hey, Carl, you done with that vacuum cleaner? Hey, Frank, you done with that vacuum cleaner? I really need it. I've really made a mess of it. And so two times a semester, some of my neighbors would have a clean room. And the next day, it would be absolutely filthy. One of the things I like to tell uh, soon-to-be married couples, I'll ask a question, something like, to, to the would-be bride, is your, is your groom to be, is he, is he a bit on the messy side? And it is almost always a look of horror she thinks, you have no idea. I, you have no idea. You should see his car. And one of the things I, I, I like to remind them, I say, well, be encouraged. He gets a seven-year training period, first of all. Right, right. Is that, is that the joke? He said, there is something about a wife. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't make it all go away. It'll make it much, much better. Much, much better. I still see it to this day. If, if, the, if, if my wife and kids are gone, let's say for three days, right? You know, they, they, she told me I didn't have to see the outlaws and to, to the glory of God. And so I, I, I don't have to go, right? And I'm at the house by myself. I start to notice that sink is filling up when I don't care. That trash can is filling up when I don't care. But five minutes before she left, I was worked up about it. What changed? Something changed, right? And this is true for a lot of men, not just trash, language, the way we dress, messiness. Something changes, right? When I lived in the dorms, the number one sign it was open dorms was the sound of a vacuum cleaner. But as a Christian, the sign that something has changed is that we are filled with the Spirit, growing in Christ crucifying the flesh. No spirit, no fruit. 
have the spirits, you'll bear the fruits. It makes a world of difference. Let's pray.